thread. A singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org. Thread. Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley, and welcome back to Thread. This is episode 20. You know, God's blessed uh, Sherry and me, and we've got six children of our own. And in addition to those six children, they have brought a lot of kids into our life, too, that they met at school or wherever. And we've kind of become parents in the lives of some of them. And, and in taking on this sort of parental posture everywhere we go, the Lord just kind of sends people to us. And for whatever reason, their hearts connect to us. And when we end up in a, a good, deep mentoring relationship with them. And that's been one of the great joys in our life. And, you know, it's funny, too, because sometimes you can pour things into the lives of those kids. Uh, they don't, res- you know, they don't resist at all. They got no relationship with you except they want to be mentored. You know, you're not an authority figure. You're not a controller the way you are in your own children's lives. So it's kind of beautiful to see the fruit that you bear in the lives of other people that way, too. And, uh that's kind of what this thread is about. Jesus has been uh, passing on everything that he knew. He's passing on ministry. He's, he's giving them his mission. He's showing them how to minister. Uh, he gave them the only sermon he let them preach. And he told them how to, how to go about uh, invading uh, an area that's never had gospel before. And now they've come back from that. And you know they're entering into this life now. They're growing up. And uh, that, that's what this lesson's about. It's an exciting thing when you're able to uh, see the baton pass to the next generation and other people now also going out as change agents in the culture and the kingdom of God beginning to spread. And that's what this lesson's about. It's Mark chapter 6, verse 30. And if you don't have a Bible, go get it because Thread is a verse-by-verse exposition. So we'll be right back. <laughs> Mark chapter 6, verse 30. This is when Jesus has, as I said, he has multiplied ministry. He is sharing ministry. And, you know, it takes a secure person to do this. And a lot of people are never really able to accomplish it. They, uh, I heard of a guy the other day, and he's doing such sacrificial work. I mean, this man is going through the Himalayas seven days one way to get to one village to share the gospel, they you know they don't have a gospel witness apart from him, and we were asking about you know tell us about your team, tell us uh, you know who all goes with you, and he said no one goes with me, just me alone. Well, you know what he's doing is noble, but wow, what if he had a half a dozen twenty-year-olds out there with him, or twenty-five-year-olds, or whatever their culture would respect? Uh, he could multiply, and then those mountains could be filled with gospel. Uh, and the people understand what Jesus has come to do for them. Well, Jesus understood this, and he's, he is very happy to see others rise up in ministry. He's not trying to keep them down. He wants them to go up. And he has equipped them. He gave them instructions. He told them exactly what to do. He sent them out. In verse 30, they come back. Uh, their title is not just disciples. That's what everyone is who follows Jesus. They are apostles. And an apostle is like an ambassador. It's someone that is sent representing another person, but they have the authority of the person that they are representing. 
with them. And that's what these disciples have gone out with that power. They are apostles and they have an apostolic ministry. When we use that word, that's what we mean. You're sent on behalf of the Lord. You carry the authority of the Lord to establish new things. Um, and that's kind of where people fall down who love to use the word apostle for themselves. You know, unless you're basically a missionary uh, or someone who is in some radical way expanding the kingdom into places that it has not been, uh, I kind of question using that title. But, you know, if you are, then that's exactly what that ministry is, and that's what apostles are and do. But apostles are not... Uh, Loan authorities. These men come back and they understand they are accountable because accountability and ministry go together. You know, if you are a even a psychiatrist, you know, if you're a psychiatrist, uh, you have a psychiatrist that you are accountable to. You share your cases with them. You tell them how you're treating your patients. And they also have one because you need to be accountable when you're doing things in the soul of other people. And you're, uh, you know, you are entering into their world and attempting to influence and change them in some way. You have to be held accountable for what you do, and that'll keep you, you know, keep you straight, and it'll make sure you're doing best practices. And these men have come, and they understand they're accountable for two things. One, verse thirty, what they've done. They need to come and report to the Lord what they've been doing in ministry. And secondly, they need to tell Him what they have taught. And they come home to do that. He is happy with the report. They have followed orders. You know, and that's the great thing about uh, authority is um, submission is simple. It's just hard on our soul to do it. But if we just do it, obedience is easy. You just do what you're told to do. You don't have to be incredibly creative to be obedient. Uh, so Jesus has now multiplied these people. He's not trying to lead uh, mindless crowds of followers that just, you know, you know, yes, you're the great one, and they go everywhere. And I see some in ministry, and that seems to be their goal. And in the end, it's usually because they want money and perks, and they've got a need to be, uh, you know, famous and great. And that's really coloring everything that they're doing in ministry. But we know that's not true ministry. That's a corrupted understanding of ministry. Jesus is leading leaders. He wants to build big people, and that's what these men are about too. There are a lot of emotions now that are that need to be processed because they've been out and they've had a mix. They've been to multiple cities. They've had a mixture of healings and shaking the dust off their feet when they were resisted because he told them how to handle resistance and how to handle opportunity. Uh, Herod has beheaded John the Baptist, and now that this ministry is spreading, it's multiplying. It's not just where Jesus is, but now it's times, you know, times six because he's got them two by two. And so Herod is hearing everywhere these preachers and things are springing up, and he gets superstitious uh, and, and convicted because he knows he has killed an innocent man. And other gospel narratives, when they get to this point, they connect that. Uh, so when Jesus hears the disciples, though, come back, he he immediately understands this has been a tiring ministry can be tiring. These guys are tired. Their emotions have gone up and down. They've been rejected. They've had some of the biggest emotional highs of their life and they are depleted. You know, their inner resources are not sufficient for them to continue on in ministry. 
And so they need to, you know, they're facing a decision. Do we now push harder because we've got everybody stirred up or do we rest? And Sabbath is not only a commandment in the Old Testament law, but Sabbath is a, um, it's a rhythm of life and it's a principle. And if you want to survive as a caregiver, I'd say if you want to survive, period. But especially if you are someone who's in the helping business and your life's purpose is to minister to other people, then you really need to hear me uh, and hear Jesus today because there has to be a healthy rhythm of giving out and taking in. You can't just be the servant. You've got to also be served. Jesus washed other people's feet. He took great joy in that. But he also knew there were times that he needed to lay back and let somebody wash his feet. And he was comfortable doing both because neither one of them is about you. It's about the kingdom and about the real boundaries that's on a human's life. And you can't push beyond these boundaries. You, you actually can do it for a while, but you can't continue to exceed the boundaries. Someone gave me a formula. It went like this. If your output exceeds your intake then your upkeep will be your downfall. And I have seen so many, uh, I don't mean hypocrites. I mean men of God and women of God. I've seen good, strong marriages. I've seen strong, uh, loving people crash and burn. They have a nervous breakdown. They have a heart attack at 42. They have a marital collapse. They get into an affair and these are not people that have always been liars and cheaters and scoundrels. That's not them because I know these people. But they are people who did not set aside sufficient time for their own replenishment. And they just push and push and push. And then their reserves go down. Their best self is now weak. And their bad guy, you know, we've all got this Jekyll Hyde thing going on. And their other guy is rising up and he just dominates their life and messes them up. So... Uh, you know, don't overheat. You can't afford to collapse. And that's not what they needed as a, as disciples here. You know, Jesus knew they do not need a confrontation with Herod right now. And they do not need to collapse. He doesn't want his movement to overheat and to then collapse on itself. And also he wants these guys to understand that we all need to avoid the have to messiahship. You know, I, I was with a pastor one time and we, we invited him and his wife to come over to the house and have dinner. And he comes over there. He's got a pager on. He's got, a, I mean, you would have thought the guy was a, an ER heart surgeon or something that he cannot be away from, you know, being on call 24 hours a day. And he lived like that. And he, he loved to be the hero and solve everybody's problem. And, you know, predictably. Uh, they didn't last in ministry. He got something big built, then it collapsed, uh, and their marriage collapsed with it. These systems of replenishment will save you. So you need uh, to unplug. You need a schedule that is an unplugged time and day. I think in every day you need an hour where you unplug uh, or in the morning where you plug in, you know, that this is your time to get with God and at the end of the day, uh, you unwind again. And we need, you know, sabbatical. Uh, it, it's a, extremely healthy. There are a lot of good things that can come out of, you know, Europeans understand it, a 30-day vacation. 
and you won't relax until like that third week, it just starts to hit you and you start unwinding. But, you know, plan yourself some time where you truly unplug, you get solitude and you just, because, you know, people have a persistent neediness. And that's the next thing we see in this story. When Jesus sees his men, he's happy with what he sees, but he says, you know what? Let's unplug from ministry. Let's find ourselves a deserted place, verse 31, and let's just rest for a while because the scripture says they didn't even have time to eat. And Jesus knew we need to prioritize our health and our spiritual fullness. So they got in a boat, they went away, but here's the multitude. And let me tell you, the multitude, the crowd, is not thinking about your health. They are not thinking about you and your needs. Uh, and if you're going to you know, make it through life in ministry, nobody's thinking about that. And you need to understand that. You're in charge of that. Don't think that there's some group of people in the church that's going to follow you around and make sure you're healthy. You're in charge of your own health. And Jesus uh, is trying to take his disciples away, and yet here comes the crowd. And they're not considering their needs, uh, only their personal needs. And they intercept them. They run around the lake. Everywhere that Jesus is trying to you know, find land and go to a quiet place, these guys are there. But you know what's interesting about that? Verse 34. It says, when Jesus came out, he saw this great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them. And this shows me how much margin Jesus had in his own life. Because even though he's tired, he still has enough to genuinely care for these people and to act. See, when you've run out of margin and you are living in a perpetually depleted state, when people need something unexpectedly or when you can't deal with one more person and then, sure enough, one more person knocks on the door, you just can't take it. You know, I heard one pastor told me, he said, I never had a problem. I never had a problem with cussing until I entered the ministry. <laughs> and it's just this, you know, he's, he's tired. He's wrung out. He's got no margin. And then someone knocks at the door and it's, you know, the face is bad. The attitude is bad. And he's having to now put on a smile when he opens the door. You know, in Jesus case, he's worn out and these guys are worn out. And yet he's not depleted inside. He's physically tired and he's going to deal with that. But he's got enough soul left that when he needs to minister, he can do it, and he does it with, uh, with joy. Because when he looks at these people, verse 34, he recognizes there is a deep absence of spiritual authority in the land. There are not good shepherds. Uh, there's no one taking care of these people. He sees them like sheep without a shepherd, verse 34. Um, and sheep without a shepherd soon die. They can't get their own food. They can't get their water. And the wolves, knowing that there's no leader, just come in and devour them. And when he sees these people, he realizes the priests are not taking care of them. The uh, rabbis are not taking care of them. All those people have turned the, the people of God into an employment system, and they're just making their income off of them to live. It's a job for them, and no one is being a shepherd for these sheep. And it moves his heart. But notice what he does. What sheep really need is teaching. I mean, he could have just gone straight to miracles and all that, but he realizes that solves one problem on one day. What they need is teaching because they need to stand up and take charge of their own life. They need to understand what's in the kingdom of God. They need to rise up, and they need to, to rule over their own life. We've been given a will. 
the ability to forecast the future, the ability to, to create a future. You know, I can say today I will learn to fly a helicopter. Now, I don't have any skill for that. But if I put my heart into it and then I start making a plan and then I get myself near someone who instructs, I mean, I can make this happen. It might take me three years, but I can learn to fly a helicopter. I could do anything. I could say I will be a medical doctor. I will be a lawyer. I will sail for a year on a sailboat. We have that power. We have the power to plan and create a future. Now, if these people understood that, they could quit being mindless sheep and they could stand up and take charge of their life. So what they need is teaching. They need to receive God's mindset and become strong in themselves and quit being passive and quit needing someone else to solve all their life's troubles and get up and solve your own problems. And he knows they need teaching. So he sees them as sheep. They've got no shepherd. The next verse says, so he began to teach them many things. So he teaches and he teaches and he teaches and he, he's just hitting everything in life that is making these people weak. He's addressing those issues. And that's what good teaching should do. It shouldn't just reaffirm what you already believe. Good teaching should be about things you don't know yet and about things you have not taken charge of uh, in your own life. And now he gets to the end of it and he's been teaching them who knows how many hours. Uh, and he says, you know what? These guys are worn out too now. It's hot. They're tired. We haven't stopped all day. No one's had a break. Uh, there's, and he turns to his disciples and he says, you give them some food. And the, uh, verse 37, you give them food. He, he, puts the, uh, he puts the responsibility on the disciples. And that's good leadership too. Give them, give them jobs. Actually, give them jobs they're not competent to do because it's the incompetence that drives you to go the next mile and to step up and to, uh, you know, to, to become a great leader yourself. So he turns to them and he says, you get them some food. And they say, all right, well, one way to solve this problem is to spend almost a year's wage just to buy the bread that it will take for these people. Because a denarii is a day's wage. Are we supposed to go and spend 200 days wages to buy one little piece of pita bread for each of these people? Is that what you want us to do? And he says, no, you got to take aggressive action. You need to, uh, you need good numbers for one. We need to know how many people are here. How, what do you have? What resources are in your hands? And he's teaching them problem solving. But problem solving needs information. You can't make decisions just on a gut instinct. You need some decisions. You need some systems. And even if you intend to work miracles, you still need systems. And we see it here. So he says, all right, I want you to tell me what we have to work with. And they say, well, okay, we've got, you know, somebody thought to bring some food. So we've got five loaves of bread and two little, like, sort of sardines. And he says, all right, that's where we're going to start. And you know what? God does that. He starts with little things. Now, this miracle is in, it's the only miracle. It's in all four Gospels. So this thing really hit home with everyone. And I think the reason is he's driving home for them the point. These are not your sheep, okay? This is not your church. Those are not even your children. This is the father's business. We're, we're working with our father. And in the end, you don't have to take final responsibility 
for the crushing needs that everybody has. Do what you can as a loving, caring shepherd. Genuinely care for the needs of the people. Get your best information. Put your very best systems to work on it. But understand that's not going to be enough. It's, it's, the, it's the seed, but it's not going to be enough. And that's okay. That's okay. You don't have to be God for them because there is a God. And that's why we're doing all this. It's not that we're building ourselves a church and we're building a nonprofit and we're building care for the, you know, the whoever needs care. But he's saying this is the father's work. It's the father's mission. We've entered in as his hands extended. So now we're going to take our little bit, which everybody can look at five, you know, piece of pizza bread and two fish and go, this is not going to work. We're going to take that. Now we're going to hand that to the father. And we're going to know that the father will stretch these resources and it will be not just enough. It's going to be more than enough. Now, this is why Jesus is so important to them as their leader is that his faith is perfect. He has absolute confidence that God is going to do this. He's not concerned about it. He's not worried that the first you know, guy is going to grab all the food and the entire crowd is going to sit there staring at empty baskets. He is certain that this is the Father's work and that God feeds every bird in the world every day. He's got food for these people, and this is what he's going to do. So miracles for Christ were not something really hard to believe in. He lived by them. You do the human part. And because you're on God's mission, you look up and you trust God to do his part. So look, here's the point. Your children are going to turn out okay. Do your very best in their lives, but make sure that you understand this is a spiritual work. You got to trust God to follow your kids around and talk to them when you're not there to talk to them. God is going to make the things that matter to God succeed. And people matter to God more than anything else. People matter. So if you're in the business of taking care of other people, you need to understand God is going to take care of these needs and he's going to use you and you're going to have some amazing stories. That's all for the day. Uh, please send me your emails, Chuck at Quinley.com. You can visit my family's personal blog, Quinley.com. And especially you need to be on the emerge network.org website where you can interact with other leaders and you can find the healthy resources that we've got there for you. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next time on Thread. Thread. A singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org.
uh, as Jesus teaches them that God will use you to meet people's needs and that God will provide everything that you need in life and ministry. And this is a very famous story. They sit down in groups of 50. Uh, he blesses, he, you know, he does his part. You know, God, here we've gathered the resources that we have, and now we're going to turn it over to you. He looks up to heaven. He breaks the bread and the fishes in small pieces, and then he asks the Father to do what only the Father can do. And that's, that's the thing about miracle ministry. You do your part. And you believe God with absolute conviction. I mean, Jesus is not even afraid of embarrassment or that, you know, the first five people are going to take all this food and it's all going to be gone at that point. Uh, None of those things bother him. He has absolute faith in the Father. And if you want to see the miraculous, you're going to have to get to that point in your mind where you just totally trust God. You do the part that you can do and you know that you're walking in alignment with the will of God. And that's what he does. He blesses it. The disciples, again, he keeps he keeps this on the disciples because he wants them to get the message because they're going to have to do this for the rest of their life. They pass these baskets and they watch row by row, reach in, take out fish, take out bread, take all they want. And he moves through the whole crowd, 5,000 men alone. Let's add two or three uh, to say wives and kids. Uh, maybe a lot more than that. So, I mean, we're talking thousands, 10, 15, 20, 25,000 people total eating from this. And they didn't just get a little taste of fish. They ate until they were totally full. Verse 42 says everybody was full. And not only full, there was more than enough. They took up 12 baskets full of bread and fish. And I wonder if that was one for each disciple's family so they could send home uh, the blessing that they had in ministries. I don't know who got these 12 baskets, but that's the Quinley version. So let's understand. It's in God's plan that you and I are going to enter the same ministry that Jesus began and that we're going to have the faith to do it the way Jesus did it. We're going to take care of our spiritual state, take charge of our own life, make sure we get the rest that we need and the replenishment so we can bear more fruit, much fruit, and have more than enough to meet our needs. May God provide for you abundantly. Let me encourage you to uh, send me your emails, chuck at quinley.com. That's my personal email address. And my family's blog site, quinley.com. And then uh, especially that you'll check out the emergenetwork.org, emergenetwork.org website. That's got good teaching and a chance for you to meet and interact with other leaders that are rising up in these last days. God bless you. See you next time.